0: Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is Session 49. I'm still your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we're going to pick up on John Chapter 4. So, unless you're driving, turn to Chapter 4, and we'll see Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman. We'll talk about the uh, differences between the Samaritans and the Jews in a little bit. So Jesus is going from Jerusalem back to Galilee. There's two ways to do it, and the straightest route is through uh, Samaria, which is kind of an enemy territory for Jewish people there, and we'll talk about why in a few minutes. But at any rate, it says he came to Jacob's well in verse 6 of chapter 24. And what is Jacob's well? Um, Well, the patriarch Jacob, it's where Jacob met his future wife, Rachel. And you can read about that. You might want to underline Jacob's well and in your margins write Genesis chapter 29, gives you that story. So Jacob's well has a long history with the Jewish people and now that area is, uh, that area at this time of uh, Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman is under Samaritan control. So again, we'll talk about the Samaritans in a little bit. So verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Uh, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And then in parentheses, it says, for Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. So this is weird in two respects. Number one, she's a, uh, you know, he's a single guy. She's a, by herself. And that alone would be strange for a man to talk to a woman, um, you know, in, in that regard. Secondly, she's a Samaritan. So she is considered an enemy of the Jews. They didn't like each other. And we'll tell you, tell you why in a little bit. And Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So what's the difference between living water and well water? Well, well water is stagnant, right? I mean, it just sits there. Living water is better. It's like coming out of a river or, uh, you know, where there's some movement to it. So it's going to taste a little, a little sweeter. And so the woman probably gives him a weird look because he doesn't even have a bucket. And she says in verse 11, sir, you don't even have a bucket and the cistern or the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Um, Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Okay. Okay. And verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks this water, in other words, the well water, will be thirsty again, right? I mean, that's true of any water. You drink it, and then you're going to be thirsty later on. So the well water sort of represents everything in this world. Whatever you get it doesn't really last. Um, but whoever drinks the water I shall give you will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Underline eternal life. So in essence, he's saying, what really lasts here? Okay, you're going to drink this water and you think that that's going to satisfy you, but it only satisfies you for a short period of time. It's not going to last. And he's speaking figuratively, of course. He says, I offer you the water, again, symbolism of eternal life. Where you won't have to make this arduous trip to the well, carrying these, you know, these uh, heavy buckets and all, all, of that sort of thing. But the woman still thinks that he's speaking um, um, literally, and so um, the the verse fifteen, the woman said to him, "Sir, give me this water, so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water." So she thinks it's it's literal. So again, the the principle is the things of this world don't last or they don't last for very long. Um, I remember back in 1976, there was a record that everybody under the age of 28 kind of had to have if you were cool. And it was called Frampton Comes Alive. And uh, so I really, really wanted this record. And I didn't have a lot of records, but I wanted that one. So I went down to the record store. They had records back then and I bought it. And I'll bet you in the first two days, I probably listened to that thing 25 times. I wore that record out listening to it, but you know what? Guess what? After listening to it the 25th time, I was getting a little sick of it. I put it away. I didn't listen to it again for probably 20 years. Um, The point of the thing is, whatever it is, maybe it's a record, maybe it's a pastime, maybe whatever your passion on this earth is, it ain't going to last. The only thing that's going to last is your eternal relationship with God. And that's what he's, he's telling her. So Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, you're right in saying, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. Um, so she's shacking up with a sixth guy, I guess. And he says, what you have said is true. Now, here's the symbolism involved. Uh, from verse 17 through 19, I want you to underline all that. And then in your margins, write Second Kings chapter 17, verses 24 through 31. And that explains, in the Old Testament, of course, why the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. Okay, so a brief history lesson I'll summarize. Uh, There were 12 tribes in Israel, 10 in the north, two in the south. In about 721 BC, the Assyrians from the east swooped down And they took over all that land that was uh, inhabited by the 10 northern tribes. They took the best and brightest of those people back to Assyria to work as administrators. And then the Assyrians relocated five other groups to that area to resettle so that there wouldn't be any one dominant group And the Assyrians would still be able to control the people that live there. And so those, those five groups, why did I dwell on that word five? Those five different groups all had their own gods that they prayed to. So the Assyrians said, okay, you can bring your gods, your, the worship of your gods, with you to this new land that the uh, t- 10 Israelite tribes used to have. And by the way, the, the people that we allow to remain in that area they have their own God and they, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in other words, our God of of today, right? And so y'all got to play well in the sandbox. And uh, uh, so uh, everybody's God is the same as everybody else's. Does that sound like today where it's like, well, you can believe whatever you want, you know? Uh, So some things don't change. So what happened is, The Jews, over time, started to accept all these other beliefs from the other five, dare I emphasize it again, groups that were resettled. And uh, so, yeah, you know, they still gave a nod to our God, but they also worshiped the others. They also set up their own worship place in a place called Mount Gerizim and they said, ah, you don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship the one true God. We can worship Him right here. Don't, don't bother. You know, they kind of dumbed down the faith. Does that sound like something that's happening today? Absolutely. So when Jesus says you've had five husbands and the one you have now, have now is not your husband. That was literally true. I guess the woman Was you know had had five husbands and now was shacking up with some of them, but it was also true, and you'll read about that in Second Kings chapter seventeen, verse twenty four through thirty one. That's why I want you to write it in the margins. Uh, You know, there's these these foreign gods that were also being worshipped along with the true God. Uh, So the woman said, "Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain." So if you feel like it, you can uh, circle this mountain, and then in your margins write Mount Gerizim. Uh, That's where the Samaritans worshipped. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people, this is the woman talking to Jesus, uh, in other words she's saying, but you Jews, you say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And verse 21, Jesus said to her, believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, you know, the one God, neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus is going to make salvation available to all in all places. Okay, because the temple, the physical building is not going to be there at some point in the future. And we know that it wasn't in uh, it was destroyed in 70 AD. Um He says, Jesus goes on in verse 22, we worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. Now that might trouble you a little bit, but think about it in this sense. Jesus is Jewish, right? So salvation does come from the Jews in that sense of the word. Jesus was Jewish. He says, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers Worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, and indeed the Father seeks such people to worship Him. So hey, salvation is available to all. God is spirit, capital S, so a reference to you know the uh, you know um, the Holy Spirit even coming up, and and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So the woman's listening to him, and uh, she says, "I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Anointed." And when he comes, he will tell us everything. And verse 26, and I want you to underline this. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Circle the words, I am. Because Jesus is announcing he is God. You know, Yahweh. Uh, You know, when Moses had an encounter with God, you know, back in Exodus, Moses said, who are you? What's your name? And God said, I am, I am who am. And ultimately that's what is going to cause Jesus to be put to death is Jesus claiming to be God, which is, that's why I had you circle. I am by saying that he's claiming to be God. Okay. At this moment, his disciples returned and, uh, uh, the woman gets so excited that she, uh, forgets why she even came to the well. She, she leaves her water jar there, it says in verse 28, and goes into the town and says to the people, Now so now she gets it. She's excited. Wow, this guy tells me everything about my life. You know, I believe that this guy's the Messiah. So what's the first thing she does? She evangelizes. She says in verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could this possibly be the Messiah? So I want you to circle verse 29, just the first two words, come see. So this is what we should all be doing, right? Once we start to walk with Jesus, we need to invite other people, family members, friends, neighbors, coworkers, everybody. Hey, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Now you might have a little discomfort, discomfort, with evangelizing okay this woman was not a theologian she didn't know her bible she just said hey let me tell you what this guy did to me okay and no one can refute your testimony so if your temp- if your testimony is as simple as hey i used to be this way and then i started walking with jesus and because of that you know, I don't worry as much, or, you know, I'm more concerned about eternal life than the problems of this world, or I see the problems of this world in a different perspective. No one can argue with your experience with God, because that's all this woman's got. She doesn't have any theology background, but you know, and she's this woman, she's been married five times, so she's probably looked down on by the town, but she's so excited about this, what happens? The people of the town, it says in verse 30, went out went out and came to see him. Okay, then the disciples said, hey, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have, Jesus said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. Uh, now I want you to... Um, and, and they take him literally too, and they're, they're saying, well, who brought you something to eat? So Jesus explains, and I want you to underline verse 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Underline that verse. I want you to consider that this should be one of your verses too. Uh, your, your purpose is to do the will of the one who, uh, who sent you, that is in this case, Jesus, right. And, uh, to finish the work. So when you're on your deathbed, I want you to be able to say, I've run the, I've fought the good fight. I've run the race to the end. I've done what I'm supposed to do. And, um, so, uh, that's what we should do. So that's why I'm having you underline it. So it was true 2000 years ago and it's true today. Okay. Uh, So in the interest of time, um, I'm going to skip down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him. They began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified. See, John's big on testimonies as to who Jesus is. So this is yet another one. We saw John the Baptist testify otherwise. She testified, he told me everything I've done. So she kind of turned people on to investigate Jesus. But when the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is truly the savior of the world. Okay. So this woman planted the seed But it wasn't up to her necessarily to get the conversion, right? They got that by their own experience with Jesus, but she led them in that uh, direction. So that's what we want to do as well. Um, Unfortunately, we're out of time. Come back next time and we'll continue on in chapter 4. And we will see the second sign that Jesus is who he he says he is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, we can learn much from uh, this example in in John chapter 4. We can break down racial and social barriers by just having pleasant conversations with people who seem to be different than us. And we can learn much from this Samaritan woman who, after she had an encounter with Jesus, wanted to tell other people about it. So help us, give us the graces and the strength to be bold. There are people in our lives that need to be told, come and see this man who um, has made an impact on, on my life. And uh, so help us to look for opportunities to do that. Uh, we know there are opportunities in our own families, in our own neighborhoods, in our own workplace, with our own friends. And we ask that you give us the wisdom and the sight and the knowledge and the grace to do that uh, all uh, in the right timing with the, with the right words. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, come back with us next time. And we will see yet another sign of uh, Jesus being who he says he is, uh, the Son of God or God himself. Um, In the meantime, as always, I welcome you to email me your questions and comments at jhcatholicbible at gmail.com. And until next time, I look forward to your joining us again on Catholic Doctrine Bible Study.